Hey folks, welcome back to another week of Games We Never Play. I'm your host, GM Mace. Uh, around the table, we got to play Star Wars from West End Games. It was built back in the 1980s, 1987, I believe. Let's have everyone go ahead and reintroduce themselves. If you've been listening, you know, for the last three episodes, you probably know them, but let's do it once more for a refresher. Start over here to my left. Hey everyone, I'm Nick. Uh, uh, last, uh, I played uh, Ublanga Ta in this uh, West End Star Wars game. This has actually been a long time uh, desire of mine to play this game. I've been aware of it for years, but never actually had a chance to play. Okay. I mean, it's a fun system, and it's been around for years. Uh, hi, I'm Blythe. I played Leana from the Fallen Jedi from this last couple games. Uh, I enjoy the system a lot, and I'm excited to get to talk about it. Uh, hi, it's Michael Robert Holmes here. I played a Tiho Circador, the Laconic Scout from the West End Games Star Wars role-playing game. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what everybody has to say in this post-game episode. All right. So, first let's talk about character creation. What were you guys' thoughts going through that process? I... This is like the the second time I've done this, and I used I built the same character again. And I used a template. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what it's like to build from scratch. I think I would like to try doing that using the template. Though is really easy, and honestly, like if you're not sure how to build or like if it's your first time playing something like this, the templates are really nice because you don't have to think about it too much. You can just kind of go with it. You can kind of play and make see if it works for you. And then later when you're like, oh, now I understand how the game works. I'm going to go try something a little bit more complex than what is just pre-built. And I think I'm, I'm ready to try something a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Try a little bit something new. Mm-hmm. A little crunchier. Right. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Did you have any feelings? Things you liked, didn't like, or maybe felt restricted or freedom? Well, I, it was my first time with the system, so there was a little bit of when you make your first-time character and you're not using a template, knowing exactly what you're putting your points into and making sure that that matches up what the character that you're playing in your head looks like as well. I think in this game I was able to match that up pretty well, and I felt like the couple the the couple three things that i was good at i was really good at and then we didn't i never got in a situation where i had to rely on my skills or attributes that were subpar that i paid for you know my my specialization on here um overall you know i i like the system it didn't seem overwhelming i've heard a lot of people joke about having to have a whole handful of dice for for uh this system and Compared to other D6 heavy systems that I've played, this was nothing. You know, I mean, say this is not Shadowrun. It's no Shadowrun. It's no Champions. It's no Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. So I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, I'd like to see how this work. This character happened to work out in a longer campaign when mm-hmm. I suddenly am trying to do like if I'm the one who has to start the shuttle or fly away. That's going to be a real interesting. You know, right. complication fraught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you guys had destroyed the shuttle and then had to take your speeder bikes away, that would have been very interesting to watch you try and fly while these things are after you. Right. So I overall, I, th- I feel like the number of points you start with is is good. I could certainly have spread them out more and been more competent in more areas mm-hmm. uh, at the cost of being 
really good at a couple of things, but I, I didn't feel like a lot of games that rely on points, I feel like you're going to end up with, you know, you, you, you really feel that shortfall. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, especially with the, the exploding dice mechanic, you were able to, even if you only have one die, you have the potential to do anything. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what about you? What what do you feel about character creation? Um, well, you know, I went with a template as well, and I liked that it had done most of the thinking for me, and that I could just uh, fill in a couple of boxes to make the character really my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had this system back in the early 90s, and I never had anybody who would play it with me, so like actually getting to sit down and go through character creation and play it, it's a lot less daunting than I'd originally thought it was, so I feel like if you had somebody who wanted to play a, like an officially licensed Star Wars game for the first time, this is really just a, an excellent place to start, because it holds your hand in enough of the ways that it needs to, I feel. Yeah, my only issue is the lack of diversity in the skills. They have so many that would, I feel like, just kind of, they, they take, take each other's place. Like, uh, looking at technical. Computer program repair, droid program repair, uh, repulsor lift repair, and starship repair. Repulsor lift is so niche. Like, how many times are you ever going to need to repair a repulsor lift? It's like, oh, I got elevator repair. Okay. <laughs> Glad you got that. He's got blaster. He's gonna be a lot more useful more often. I do kind of wonder, like, I'm wondering if in a longer campaign some of those other things would come in more handy. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, why is? I feel like starship gunnery, starship repair, starship piloting, starship shields. All there's like some kind of maybe just general starship skill at this point. I mean, Why do you have all five, like four of those? I mean, when you use heavy weapon, I could see that taking the place of a gunnery skill. Also, repulsor lift up is on here. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so to be fair, I believe repulsor lift in this context means like land speeders, speeder bikes, and air speeders. So it's any craft that is not actually space travel worthy. Yeah. But even so, sorry, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's niche. That's the very best way to put it. Yeah, I feel like you could... It's 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 not even that it's niche, it's just, like, I do... One thing I like about a lot of more, like, recent RPGs and things is, like, a streamlining of skills in general, of just being, like, you have maybe a mechanical... You have a repair skill, and you have a medicine skill, and one of those fix organic... One of those will fix organic matter, and one <laughs> of those will fix non-organic matter. Mm-hmm. But which and one? And it's okay. Don't get that, them mixed up. It's okay that it's like condensed into a general repair. You know, I, I, I certainly see uh, your guys' points, and I and I understand them. But what I do like and think they did well is that all of the attributes have a whole list of skills that are associated with them, and it's not like some systems, this attribute only has like two things that does it, and this other one has 15. So it's like, well, of course I'm going to drop points into the one with 15. Mm-hmm. It's going to automatically make me better with all of those things and not put any, you know, make that two skill oh, yeah. thing a dump a dump stat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, I do like the, how they try to balance out each skill set. So yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, like, it's always good to have something in your technical. It's always good. Some- but, like, even t- the difference between technical and mechanical feels a little weird to mm-hmm. me. Like... I do feel like there are ways to balance, like, maybe names and change things up a little bit. But I do like how they try to give everything some kind of use. So that, like, you always want to make sure there's not there's not a dump stat here. Right. Right. Like, 
you do like I I didn't have to do anything really with strength today, but if I wanted to try climbing or swimming or anything, I would have needed my strength stat. Mm-hmm. Which makes if sense. you had to swing from trees, uh, yeah. yeah, that totally would have been a, an issue. I mean, yeah, just I, I feel like there's also some key skills that aren't there. Something where an investigation type skill yeah. was very much missing, and I felt it. Because I'm like, oh, well, I want them sifting through data to find these bad guys. Uh, sure, I could just say they're here, but it's it's better if it's earned. And I understand uh, from the gumshoe perspective of if there's something your players need, give it to them. If there's anything extra, let them roll for it. I I feel that that could have been resolved with something like planetary systems or survival to kind of know. I guess planetary systems is probably more like solar systems and whatnot, yeah. but. But survival would would be sort of the skill that you'd use to figure out where you know in in the woods or something was, or potentially streetwise to try and figure out you know if I was trying to hide from people and these this was the option on the planet that I have, mm-hmm. what where would I hide? Um, feels very streetwise to me. I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, like tracking but, wise, having me do cert- like if I used my survival skill to track would make sense. Right. That- would have been five dice that would have gotten to roll so i would have been very happy about it <laughs> but like yeah no i see what i see what you're saying because having in D D, you have your general just investigate or perceive things mm-hmm. and here you have search which is kind of that yeah but it's sort of a perception thing so it i mean i guess that does work along the lines of it typically could... if you're searching around or investigating like if you're investigating your search you're perceiving or searching you're not necessarily using a ton of logic to figure it out you're just trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. so i've never really understood why like investigation and perception are two different skills because most people use them pretty interchangeably in like when i play with D &D. Mm, okay so well some of those people are wrong yeah (laughs) i agree with that one (laughs) (laughs) well to me perception is just i we all see this great but someone who is an investigator they kind of have that Sherlock Holmes view of it. Like, oh, I can see that this is a counterweight to that, that does this, that does this. Well, you have to be mighty perceptive. Yeah, but... (laughs) No, I get what you're saying. Connect the dots. Like, actually think it through. The the delineation that I've always used is that perception is being able to tell something's wrong, and investigation would be able to figure out how to make it not hurt you, or, or how to give you the secret that that it's hiding from you, um, which aren't necessarily the same. Like I might walk into a room and see that there's uh, my, my perception tells me, Oh, there's a arc shaped scuff mark on the floor. So this bookcase is probably a secret door, but then it will be investigation for me to find out where the switch is and how to operate it yeah. behind the candles without having to do that. Mm-hmm. No, right. it's the bust of William Shakespeare. <laughs> no, but like my other, so going back a little bit here to the game uh perception does also have like search under perception makes sense to me Mm -hmm. uh i guess hide sneak because you're being perceived you can but like i always think of hide or sneak as like a dexterous thing Mm -hmm. of like you gotta so like it's weird to me that it's under perception also why are like why is there not like a charisma skill for the bargain the command the con the gambling like, why is that? That's all under perception in this game. 
And that's also going back to, like, they probably could have combined technical and mechanical into, like, kind of one general thing. And then they could have had, like, a charisma. So then they could have broken up and had perception be more of, like, an investigate, a search, a seeing, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Yeah, because there's no, like, I guess bargain is the closest they have to, I want to convince you to do something in your best interest. I'm not trying to wrong you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And there's bargain. I'm like, well... I guess or like my guess and this is uninformed but my guess would be historically when this game was made Mm -hmm. dungeons and dragons was a powerhouse so having six stats seems like it would be considered quote normal but at the same time you wouldn't want to use the same six stats that are used in that game uh because you're trying to differentiate yourself that this is a different universe i would also argue sorry uh not to interrupt anybody that i feel like i'm hearing everybody's critiques of the skills i feel like they are limited and terribly specific maybe when they don't need to but i also feel like this reflects star wars as it was in 1987 Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah that that's fair and like i don't actually disagree with a lot of the skills like i said it just came down to like maybe you should have had like instead of technical and mechanical being two separate things like combine those and add a talking or like a yeah because like a charm it could have been charm it could have totally been charm instead of charisma and now you're not using the D powerhouse world you're using charm be- or like smuggler or something that makes it Han Solo-y mm-hmm. and charming and then you make it the a different stat. It's always interesting coming at this from a modern day perspective because back in 1987 I think there was like a handful of games called Cthulhu existed um, D&D was around and a bunch of other D&D clones so they didn't have the the breadth of, of gaming knowledge that we all have yeah. We're like, well, of course that doesn't work because this system already proved that it doesn't work. And we have that to draw on. And just seeing the early interpretations of how do I make a role-playing game, especially a rules-light one, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. It's definitely a good rules-light system. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think if you're newer to RPGs or don't really play, like, a ton of them, this one is pretty accessible. Yeah. I don't find it hard to play. It's pretty, like... Like, these character sheets are really nice, and the pre-built ones make it really easy to jump into it, so you don't really have to get into this nitty-gritty, crunchy, like, how do I make my character? I don't know. I guess I'll use D&D Beyond. (laughs) Uh, But, like, they make it really easy, because it's just, oh, hey, there's a template. I like what it says. The backstory's kind of fun. I can jump right in. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, this game is nice. It's fun. I enjoy like, I've enjoyed playing it the two times I've got this time, and the previous time I got to play it, I would definitely play it again. It is just definitely also from the 80s. I would have been curious to see how we would have handled uh, starship combat and vehicular oh. combat, because I find that's where, you know, uh, extra layers of complexity get added and where you tend to lose people, but those are both such vital parts of the star wars experience and we didn't really do too much of that when we did the fantasy flight system on happy jacks either um so if we were to continue playing this story or another story using the system i i would want to like tuck into that right away just to see how it stacks up against the rest of the system in terms of being able to be accessible to new players or or plug and play basically 
So a lot of it is essentially the same. Everything you've experienced with combat, it's the same thing. So you would fly, and they would try and hit you. Uh, they would roll to hit. If they did, you would roll your whole resistance or shielding to reduce the amount of damage you take. If you took a certain point of damage, you then would be incapacitated or wounded on a ship level. And that's kind of it. You can do some maneuvers to make you harder to hit initially, um, and your shielding just reduces damage. So it really, even if you're just running around on foot, it's the same system. So it doesn't actually add anything. Even the dice, if you look at where it says, you know, it does 2D whatever. Because it still doesn't give you, oh, hey, it's going to be eight dice that you're going to roll for a Star Destroyer. It just says three dice or mm -hmm. four dice. And it just scales it up. Um, everything's in a magnitude of ten. So if you were to have a Star Destroyer shoot at you, well, that's going to be ten times whatever your blaster is firing back at it. So then that's just the way they handle it. Instead of adding a fistful of dice, you know, same amount of dice, just different framing. I mean, that makes sense. Like, that's, for a rules light like game that's trying to make it accessible, it makes sense that they wouldn't change combat too drastically. I've never been, like, in tabletop games, I, like, uh, combat's fun and stuff. I've never been interested in. I'm like, I don't want to do a ship fight in a tabletop game. I barely want to do them in a video game, because I'm very bad at them in video games. But uh, that just reminds me of when my wife and I were playing L.A. Noir together. Whenever there was a scene that involved shooting or car chases, she would literally throw the controller at me because <laughs> oh, we were playing it kind of side by side. I would. So in L.A. Noir, you know how it let you fail and then you could skip? Uh-huh. I would do that. Yeah. I would literally just intentionally fail. So it would just skip me back to the investigating part because I didn't want to do any of the action sequences because driving in video games, like I can shoot a gun and stuff, but driving and flying in video games has never been, I am not good at it. <laughs> uh, and I play a lot of video games. Sure. And, you know, I mean, if you want a vehicular Star Wars combat game, there are other options <laughs> for you out there. Yeah. Take your like, pick. I would, for an RPG, I'm much more interested in either getting to fight on the ground level or the space opera dramatic aspects of it all. Like, those yep. are the things I want from Star Wars. Yep. I want to be a Jedi. I want space opera. And I want the chance to get to use my lightsaber, which is, like, part of the reason I would like to play this again and, like, really change up how I made my character. Because mm. I felt like, I still feel like trying to balance, I feel like when they're trying to balance Jedis to not be powerful, they just make them weak. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, listen, I can't, <laughs> Jedis are not, I get that they can't be broken and they can't be the all-powerful thing we see in the movies, which is fine. But, like, I do want to hit something. Mm -hmm. and be good at it like kind of <laughs> so i want to figure out how to the, like i said i'm just playing from a pre-build so that's just because the pre-build i think tries to balance you out a little too much whereas i think if i made this character myself i would put a lot more emphasis on like knowledge and dexterity and perception and strength and really like kind of not focus on those technical or mechanical whereas like right now pretty much everything has two dice to it except for like there's three dice up a little bit but can can i ask a question to the group here and i'd like to hear what everyone thinks and pardon me if i'm overstepping just as a guest here how dare you um but what i'm curious about is if you removed star wars from this system because we all have a kind of cultural inculcation of what that looks like and how it works and we thought very cinematically as we were describing everything that happened. 
if this did not have a Star Wars imprint, how do you think that the system stacked up in a vacuum? Like if it was just the way the system plays, minus any of the trappings that are in your head, do you think it was good? Do you think it was clunky? How how did you how did you feel about that? I mean, I like the system. Yeah. I think removing the Star Warsness from it does remove some of the like because it does like the some like we were talking about some of the skills are really nichely Star Wars, right, right? But like, yeah, no, I think the system works. I think it's a good system. I think you can build a fun character and have a good time with it. I think it's easy to play. Like I said, I think it's pretty accessible. I think it's pretty easy to throw someone into and they would pick it up. Like I don't think they'd have a hard time figuring out what to do. They would just need to roll the dice. Whereas, like with a system like D and D or something, like you might need to think a little bit more, add mm-hmm. a little bit more. Where this is just like roll the set dice that it says, add the numbers. High numbers are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we can like the most one, of us have that concept. Yeah, I think the one thing that would throw people off if you were just throwing them into this would be the like exploding dice, because mm-hmm. that's not. At least in the RPGs I've played, that's not something I've used a lot in systems. So they feel like for someone who's new to RPGs, they might take a second to figure that one out. But that's not even that hard. That's just like one dice is different and I have to remember that. If it's a six, I can reroll it. If it's a one, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Which one is pretty much always failure in, D- in any RPG system. So like, that's it's, it's pretty... I, I think it's an accessible system. I think it's good, whether it's Star Wars or not. Looking at it from a Star Wars aspect doesn't... For me, it's just like, oh, how do I make a Jedi better for the Star Wars aspects? Michael? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a great system. Um, you know, is it perfect? No. Is the perfect system out there? I haven't played it. Um, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, to, to your point, West End did another game called Shatter Zone, which is essentially this, but with a different mythos laid over it. So if you wanted to kind of have that experience, I would recommend that people check out Shatter Zone. I've never played it. I know kind of basically what the setting's about. It's very similar. I don't know if they have space wizards like Jedi or anything <laughs> like that. But I, I mean, like, I have a superhero game that's based on this system that I like. Um, you know, like I said in one of the earlier episodes for this particular iteration of our, our podcast, um, you know, this system has been applied to horror. It's been applied to fantasy, a couple other different things. So if you want to have that experience, it's out there. You just got to look for it a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do think it kind of I think it can very easily be applied to any anything. Yeah, the base level of the system where you roll X amount of D six and then one of them is wild is a beautiful system. Very simple, very elegant. Um An elegant out. system for a more civilized age. Exactly. Something like that. <laughs> um You know, the biggest issue is of course I run into is with the skills and the uh, actual attributes. You change those out, you you remix them, you reblend them. And you've got a lot of fun that you can have. I mean, I think it's a great system. I, I, it's one of my favorites is up there with um, the Star Trek one. I love the Star Trek system. Oh, we should so play good. at some point. Uh, I'll, I, I will definitely run that for you all. And then we Star can Trek! Com- we can compare it to the other Star Trek games that have come out as well. I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> so I, I also really liked the system. I thought it was simple and relatively intuitive, especially for people who might not be... Uh, as deep in the weeds with RPG games as I think most of us at this table are um, on there. Mm -hmm. 
one thing I thought was really neat is I have always tended to think of a quote wild die as being a new invention that that uh, occurred in role playing games. So to have this be a core component for a game that is forty forty years well, old, thirty years old, approximately yeah. thirty years old, yeah, um, thirty two years old, is kind of neat. It's it's the uh, there's there's nothing new under the sun sort of uh, uh, thought in there. Um, my concern a little bit would be that it it seems like it's a little bit difficult to balance out the rolling a six on that die and then getting a bonus on there by rolling another die and maybe having it continue to explode versus the complication of rolling a one on that die. Mm-hmm. And I don't know because it's so rules light and, and perhaps there are guidelines in the book about, Hey, these are some ideas of things that might happen when you do well or do poorly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about like the balancing on that. And since those are going to come up relatively often, every time you roll the die, you've got, you know, like that 16 and a half percent probability that that something that it's either going to explode or the other end of that, that something a complication is going to happen. I don't know. I feel like maybe the complications might outweigh the good things like when i rolled sixes and then re-rolled the die it just meant like yeah i definitely knocked that guy out Mm -hmm. but when Blythe rolled ones or when michael rolled a one they were put in like a super perilous situation so they don't seem like they were balancing each other equivalent on there i think it just depends like i think that's that's i've run into this issue with a lot of rpg systems in general where like the ones can be dramatically worse than even like a 20, like a critical, like mm-hmm. I've been in D and D games where it's like you roll a 20 in a situation where you just can't make it that great. Like right. there's just nothing to make that great in that moment. It was like, wow, you see this entire room really well. Yeah. <laughs> but if you rolled a one right now, you'd fall through a floor. So like, yeah. I feel like that happens a lot in RPGs where it's just sometimes your successes aren't, Sometimes you're just more thankful to succeed than fail. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, anytime that a one ever came up, it was never earth-shattering. It was very much a, it is a setback. You know, you lost your lightsaber, you picked up next turn. You, you fell off the edge, but you grabbed on, no problem, you were able to get up next turn. Got caught in a net. You got caught in a net, but that ended up being an advantage, because you could then drop down on the guy, and you were able to get new outfits thanks to it. So, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel, yeah... There could have been a bonus thing. I, I definitely could have added that in there where it's like, yeah, you roll a six, you succeed, and then what else happens? I could have definitely done that. I'll, I'll take that under advisement. And I think the system does actually uh, call that out, and I didn't highlight it enough in this. So I'll, I'll. I wasn't trying to call you out. I was just oh, no, no, you know, no, no, ba- no. based on my observations of of uh, how the game seemed to go. Which and honestly, as as indicated, it's that's happens in a lot of games. Is mm-hmm. it's really it's a lot easier to go oh something bad happened than describing why this thing is so much better than a regular yeah. success. You succeeded so good. You right. see all the stuff. Yeah, I frequently <laughs> with twenties and or like with critical successes in games where I'll frequently just add a flare. Because it'll be like, there's no way I could have done that thing extra well. So now it's like, my character did cool parkour flips on a roof. And then... <laughs> I perceived everything. And then I did a flip. Like, like I've had... like There was, I feel like, in a game with Mace where you were like, you let me jump on the back of a horse and do like a really cool thing because I rolled really well. But it wasn't like, 
It was just like I was just shooting an arrow at somebody, but you also <laughs> let me do a cool thing with a horse and like pull a Legolas, where I was able to like mount the horse and jump on the back and then shoot the arrow. But it's like that's just a nice little extra flair, but it doesn't really make doesn't really make you <laughs> break the moment. Yeah, you didn't have to spend that next turn getting on the horse. Yeah, you just got on there. You go. Now, now I'm on it. So I, w- I will say, from a product standpoint, historically the West End game was really, really well supported. Um, especially given the available material to them at the time, they did a lot with expanding the universe. Oh yeah, um, a lot of really great alien source books, planet source books, um, some original material that really only existed in this game universe. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. And uh, you know, resourceful people on the interwebs, you can check it all out there. Um, yeah, it's cool. What's what's great is when cool. they were writing uh, the the Zon trilogy, uh, oh, there's on um, the Dark Force trilogy. They brought him the books from West End. And were like, here you go, here's everything you need to know. Build your world, and he would pour over the books and write everything he needed. So if you liked Thrawn and all of those, that was all in there. Um, any other closing thoughts on the system? Would you buy it, play it? Or run it, if given the option. I'd buy it. I'd do all three. Do it all. I I may yet. Who knows? Okay. Uh, I would definitely play it again. Um. I I tend to download a lot of things on the internet, so buying can't really say. But uh, no, the I would definitely play this again. I'd definitely be interested in playing like a longer form version of it and seeing where it could go. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I have fun with it. I've had fun with it both the times I've played it. Have no no real complaints. Uh, I would say on a scale of games we never play, this is absolutely a game that you should play and take a look at uh, on there. Um, I I agree. The base system looks like it's just a couple of books, so buying it I think would be absolutely an option for you to tell your own stories in this world i would certainly play it again and i would introduce this to uh to newbies to uh the hobby partly because it's such an easy and accessible mind space that almost everyone you know is going to have some experience with Mm -hmm. and then would be easily tailored to whatever their particular star wars experience is right yeah if you really just want to play like a easy fun jump right into it star wars game this is perfect for that absolutely this is so perfect for that especially with you know the new star wars is in theaters right now yeah. when this episode airs uh yeah you should totally pick this game up play it for your friends who are like i love star wars i wish there was more there is right there's always more this is our there star is wars. another <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's gonna be the end of this episode thank you all next up we're gonna have our year in review uh, me and Steve got to sit down and talk about what we liked, didn't like, and all the good stuff, bad stuff that happened in 2019 as far as RPGs are concerned. Uh, tune in next week for that. Until then, I'm G- uh, GM Mace. Let's go around the table. Where can people get more of you guys at? Hey, uh, I'm Nick, and uh, once again, I am at SunGrowler on the social media. Uh, mostly a lurker, but occasionally I will jump in and usually make bad jokes, puns, or complain about my mental health. But uh, your mileage may vary check me out uh also on happyjacks.org i believe when this comes out i will be playing in insert coin colon floodwater and reprising my role as danny alonzo all right uh i am blythe kayla you can find me on twitters and instas at blythe kayla 93 
Um, you can also find me on Damsel's Dice and Everything Nice, which is a YouTube web series where not licensed princesses play uh, a not licensed RPG that definitely isn't Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, no, it's really cute. It's really fun. Um, is it Pugmire? Yes. Okay. We all play dogs. That's meta. It's, we've gotten yeah. so. I've got no, no. It's uh, it's intended to be Disney princesses playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's very cute. It's very fun. Uh, you get a lot of your favorite princesses there. So, yeah, check it out. It's on YouTube. All of the cease and desist letters. <laughs> uh, yeah, t- I was like, it's all not licensed and it's all under parody. That's fair use. Parody. Can't stop us. My lord, gonna get more of you, sir. Uh, I I will be in your holiday stocking, whichever holiday you celebrate, and whatever stocking you prefer. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I've been a GM Mace. This is Games We Never Play. Make sure to follow us on uh, all the socials: GN uh, GWNP underscore Pod. Uh, and I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye. <laughs>